There's less than two weeks to vote, so vote. Today, Angie Marth talks about the political spectrum prepping and her COVID lockdown art project. And on the Geekscape, what's the good, the bad, and the ugly in the New Age movement? All this and more on the Let's Game! I am Robin Renee, and you are listening to The Leftscape, the shape of progressive conversation. Hi, I'm Wendy Sheridan. Hi, I'm Mary McGinley, and we have some random facts we'd like to tell you about. The first random fact is the iconic stone heads protruding from the ground on Easter Island are familiar to most, but many don't realize what lies beneath the surface. In the tens, archaeologists studying the hundreds of stone figures on the Pacific Island excavated two of the figures revealing torsos, which measured up to as high as 33 feet. So they're not just heads, they're whole bodies, they're whole people. And that's kind of cool. I think. Yeah. I'd yes. like to see them all. Yeah, that is cool. <laughs> nice. I did not know that. Well, my fact today is about uh, Travis Geiger. Geiger, I'm not sure how to pronounce his name. Sorry about that, Travis. Of <laughs> Noka, Minnesota, who has just won the World Championship Pumpkin Way Off, otherwise mm. known as the Heavyweight Championship of Gargantuan Gourds. <laughs> <laughs> and that is in, located in Half Moon Bay, California. He actually transported his pumpkin there very, very carefully, because if you even get one you know, like if it, if it breaks in any place or whatever, it's disqualified. So he oh had wow. super careful getting it there. And his pumpkin weighed in at 2,350 pounds and has oh, been crowned shit. the largest pumpkin ever grown in North America. <laughs> wow. So a thousand pounds is a ton, right? 2,000 pounds. 2,000 pounds. And I'm just, I'm envisioning the, the flatbed that normally takes cars. Yeah, yeah. pumpkin on it, like wrapped in bubble wrap. I'm, I'm wondering what they're going to do. Imagine like pour water over it to keep it moisturized, and they oh had it God. like, yeah, it was it was a whole thing. But what is he going to do with it now? Uh, I don't know what they actually. I should read the whole article. This is good. This is in the goodnewsnetwork.org, and I will uh, post the thing. But um, I think they maybe they carve it up in California or do something with it. Oh, um, I, I remember I went I remember what normally see I did read this. I bet normally, they save the seeds. They, yeah, they save the seeds all the but they partake of it in, in California normally, but they're not gonna do that because of COVID. So he's gonna transport it back and they'll have it at in Anoka, which is actually called the Halloween capital of the world because they've had one of the first Halloween parades ever oh. in that town. And so they'll have like an actual great pumpkin at their festival. So. <laughs> I mean, they could make it a walk-through pumpkin at this rate. I mean, <laughs> what's the good. size of this thing? <laughs> I'm just thinking how many pies they could make out of that. <laughs> that could be amazing. Anyway, they could feed my, my random fact. I would like to see it too. That would be fun. <laughs> and I'm apparently doom woman today. My random fact is during the four days of May, between May 10th and May 13th, 2010, 
There were a total of 91 tornadoes over the Midwest and Southern United States, which kind of is boggling my mind. And I don't remember that from 10 years and six months ago. We I, about- remember, I remember getting twisters around my house and having trees down in my yard in that year and mm. thinking this, this does not this isn't supposed to happen in New Jersey. <laughs> it was it was kind of intense. So there were probably auxiliary uh, incidents around other states too that year. And coming up later in this show, I actually got to interview my friend Angie Marth, uh, who is a fabulous artist and tattooist who has inked me. She's I have the biggest tattoo on my body from her, and she and I talk about. The political spectrum and prepping and her art and a bunch of things. And it's a it's a really cool conversation. And it comes up after the news. Excellent. Well, those were some random facts and and a little (laughs) bit about what's coming up later, which is great. And so before we move on to the news, we just want to send a shout out to our listeners, our Leftscape listeners. And if you're new to the show, hello and welcome. And just wanted to let you know that you can catch a new episode every other Wednesday, usually. This episode is actually coming out on a Thursday, I believe. So I might be lying to you about this particular show, (laughs) but it's usually always every other Wednesday. And you can subscribe on our website at leftscape.com. You can also uh, sign up for our newsletter there. And you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you prefer. Well, while you're at it, like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash leftscape and follow us on Twitter at left, leftscape. And follow us on Instagram at, yeah, that's right, at leftscape. <laughs> um, to support this podcast, please join us on Patreon at patreon.com slash leftscape, where there's extra content, including our new segment, We Should Be Recording This fun merch, and other opportunities. You can join us at the front row seats level for as little as a dollar a month. And we thank you so much for being a patron of our show. And now here's all the news we can handle. If you haven't yet voted, make a plan now. The date for to register to vote has passed in many states, but not all of them. So check your details for registration, voting, and volunteer opportunities at Vote Save America. And we have a link on our web, on our blog for this. It'll be in the episode page. Yes, and um, they they do a great job of really gathering up all the information for every state. You know where what you can do to still volunteer, what your parameters are. If you can't still register, you know, what what you can do to get your vote in and make a plan and stuff. And it's really, it's very helpful. Uh, I voted yesterday and had a little bit of issue get, helping my neighbor vote. I still have to get her ballot in for her. And it's, um, so don't give up, you know, because <laughs> I just wanted to say that really quickly. Because I had to, my neighbor didn't get her ballot in the mail. And a lot of people would be like, oh, I never got it. I forgot or whatever. But she was really adamant about making sure we get it. And I uh, got the form. I printed out the form that you have to do to get a second ballot and fill, got her to fill it all out, sign the part that the bearer of the ballot has to sign if it's, if it's somebody else. Yeah. And, I, there, and they were like, oh, it looks all good. And they're like, wait a minute. 
and I and I didn't realize I wasn't supposed to sign it until I was like in front of them. Oh. And there was a thing that had a stop sign, but the stop sign, like in my print copy, just didn't. It just wasn't that evident, you know. And I was like, crap. I was like, okay, well, I'll put in my ballot. So I made sure that I got that in. You couldn't yeah. just sign it over again in front of them. I signed it in front of them again with my ID. They're like, they won't accept it. So I'm like, okay. So I had to call her and say, I'm sorry, I messed up. <laughs> Oh and no! Like, oh, it's not. Oh, it's not that important. I'm like, it is important. I'm doing it. Coming right back with this new one. We're gonna do it. They gave yeah. or they gave you another ballot to do. They gave or... me another form to fill out to to request the ballot. And oh, we got we to do the yesterday. whole process again. There's a a places, and I, I think we'll put this link in too for how you can track your ballot regardless of what's, you know, by what state you're in, because most states have a website where you can track how, if your ballot was accepted or rejected or whatever. I also found out this morning that New Jersey will not start counting our mail-in ballots until 10 days before the election. And they won't report the numbers that they've counted before 8 p.m. on November 3rd. Wow. Which you may not know. Okay. okay. <laughs> so okay. that's why we're not going to. Ahead though, they're starting earlier. I mean, I mean, ten days before is very soon. It's mm-hmm. it's like next yeah. week. I think. I'm I'm uh, feeling good about this. I, I I am. I don't know. I don't want to jinx it or anything, but but <laughs> <laughs> the uh, just the other day they were saying like there were 23 million votes in already. Yeah, it's kind of cool. Yeah, it's it is. It's it's there's a lot of people voting early and brings up another news item. The Guardian and ProPublica are tracking the mail in slash absentee votes in the various swing states that everybody is all, uh, you know, the New Jersey is always. Yeah, New Jersey is never one of those, but uh, but they are tracking them and how many have been received, how many have been requested and stuff like that. So. And, and I think ProPublica and The Guardian are reliable and, you know, nonpartisan sources. Guardian of information. is British. Yes. Yeah. Well, ProPublica isn't. So, the, but the two of them have, have cooperated to do that. And we have a link for that as well. Oh, cool. We, uh, uh, we just put our newsletter out. We do have a newsletter called The Leftscape Lookout that you can get on. You can sign up for on our website and on our Facebook page as well, I believe. And um, in that newsletter, we were talking about some of the different things that we've done and that you can, anyone can do to volunteer um, ahead of the vote, to get out the vote. Uh, One of them is actionnetwork.org, and they have a place called Reclaim Our Vote, and that fights voter suppression. And there are people, there was a postcard campaign, and I believe they're still doing phone calling. And we still have time to reach people, so that Mm -hmm. is an important thing to do if you can. And there's also the Democratic Get Out the Vote postcard campaigns. There's a whole lot of them, actually. And I'll put a link there. We can reach out to people in all the swing states, various campaigns. There's a a way to reach out to Native American voters in Arizona and, you know, all all of this, all the swing states and possible outsider swing states um, are included in there. So there's definitely stuff to check out and we'll have that posted as well. And in non-voting news, (laughs) (laughs) I think this was on Sunday or possibly yesterday, the New York Times 
published in their paper a very, very fine print. I think it was like a full page or several pages of uh, Amy Suskind's list of the things that the that Trump has, the Trump administration has changed during the course of his presidency. And there's also a curated list of the, this is not normal that you can see online right now. And her, her master list has more than 34,000 entries. That's, that's how, that's ridiculous. Yeah. That's all the 34,000 things we have to unroll to, to, return to nor <laughs> return to how things were before for you know five years ago instead of you know during this you know this, uh, administration in that first week i watched um meet the press where where Ann conway was being interviewed and i i had watched this in person and where she said the famous alternate facts uh, talking to <laughs> and <laughs> And that's just set the tone for the whole rest of the thing, right? Oh God, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, what were some? Are there any standouts uh, of the thirty-four thousand that? Uh, it was now. It was just too depressing. Yeah. <laughs> you just you just scroll by week one, week two, week three. It's like, oh my God, how long is this list? And you just keep scrolling and scrolling and scrolling. It's like. So, but just to explain a little bit, these are norms like. Like where he says, um, oh, presidents can't have a conflict of interest. Uh, I'm not going to let go of my businesses while I'm a president. So things like that, right? Yeah, well, yes. Well, the last one, the last one, which is from week 202, which is also kind of an indicator of why we're so fucking exhausted now, because it's been 200 weeks of nonstop crap. Anyway, it's the last one was Trump refuses to commit to a peaceful transition of power after Election Day. That's uh, the last one in the curated list. It's like one or two things per week. It's interesting what you just said. It's a curated list, so it's not necessarily everything. It's just the things she chose to put in the list at that time. Yeah, I mean, there's she has this is this list that's on there on the post right now. This is actually the post, not the Times. I'm sorry. Here's one Trump crashes a wedding at his Bedminster, New Jersey golf resort, smiling and waving at guests who shout USA, USA. That was at week 140. Doesn't he kiss the bride? I have no idea. There's an article, I bet. (laughs) He likes Uh, to kiss everybody. He doesn't ask, he just kisses. (laughs) (laughs) the one thing uh i guess there's a just to to wrap up the news that happened last week the legal writer for the new yorker was on a zoom call for work and he was apparently on another video chat with somebody else and he at the same time at the same time, and he was jerking off, and he didn't know his camera was on, and so everybody got to see him jerking off oh. in the Zoom call. And you know, <laughs> and, and, and my my question is, why? I mean, I understand we're we're working remotely and we're at home, but like, how? I mean, is that something that men do during the workday? Do they kind of jerk off just randomly for no reason because their penis is saying, uh? I'm timing. Well, maybe he liked the person, and then he was uh, talking to. 
Uh, yeah, I, 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 well, go ahead. Well, go ahead, Wendy. Okay, that's a, it's just, it's work. You're in a work environment. <laughs> you know, we should be working when you're at work. You know what? You, you, you are asking, do men do this? And my answer is, I bet they would if they could. <laughs> so, I, 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 yeah, I, I probably think that's accurate. And I think that, um, well, personally for me, I think it's kind of cool that people find weird times and places to do things. So I kind of <laughs> am intrigued by this type of topic. <laughs> okay. However, however, you need to be damn sure your camera's not on. <laughs> Even so, I mean, what if, I mean, okay. I understand that a lot of work meetings can actually be an email, but you know, what if, you have like an important job and there's like stuff you're supposed to be paying attention to in the meeting, or maybe you need to answer a question and it's like, uh, I, uh, well, uh, <laughs> that's, that's true. It's probably more of a distraction than is necessary. In and and like, you know, they, put, they give women shit for not wearing a bra to the office. So, you know, <laughs> fuck you. Well, and <laughs> you think that women did, would ever do such a thing? Is that what you're positing? I'm, I'm positing that I am pointing out that the ridiculous double standard, because I am sure if a woman was jerking off at work, they would be fired, too. I mean, this How guy would they, would they necessarily know? Well, he wasn't fired. He was suspended. So. <laughs> I no, but I, I'm saying, do, do you think that it's possible for a woman to uh, pleasure herself without anybody knowing? Possibly. I guess it depends. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, there was there would be times at work where I would be thinking about sex, but I wouldn't be doing anything about it. <laughs> Because I lost an opportunity there. <laughs> I don't think so. Well, I, I think, think it depends so. upon where you work. <laughs> it wasn't part of my job description. I'll tell you that. Well, my what I my takeaway from this is that I really would love Tom Limoncelli to record a new uh, a new sponsor message for us so. <laughs> about jerking off during a Zoom call. How about not jerking off while you're on a Zoom call? <laughs> <laughs> we'll see. Or being more, well, we'll have to see what he would come up with. I I, I think I'm going to give him that that. Uh, you're going to give him a assignment. A assignment, okay. But anyway, yeah, maybe be a little more conscious of your. See, it's about technology. That's the problem here, in my opinion. Yeah, I understand your so, technology. So, but people all over are having phone sex, right? Of course. Oh, that's yeah. Cool. yeah. Right. And, and video, of course. Yeah. So, but not what during work. Not like, during this work. Is like why Louis C.K. is is you know canceled now. Well. You know, I, I really want to should do a se whole segment about this at some point, whether it's a Geekscape or a, why is this awesome? Because like masturbation is like my favorite topic, really. So <laughs> yeah. but the, the problem with Louis thing was that it that was an abusive situation. He was asking permission to jerk off in front of people. You know, he should have called me. Giving I permission. Awesome. But, <laughs> but it was like they didn't have. 
they didn't have a full agency because it was people he was working with or people who he ha could have great influence to help their career or something like that. It was, it, that's what I think was messed up about and that. And you don't think that that situation also exists amongst whatever this meeting was at the New Yorker? You know, I, he's, he's a guy, he's a, he's a, he's a big deal there or he was and you know, whatever. And, and it's, and I know he didn't intend to do it, but um, it, it also kind of, you know, if, I don't know, it's, it's, it's hard. You know, I've been in, in, in these professional situations and when a coworker that you are not consider, you know, like even if you're single and you're looking for people to go out with and you're still, you know, you're going to shit where you eat and go out with your coworkers. Um, and even then, but even when it's that way, it's like when there's somebody that you're not thinking of in a sexual way and then they get sexual with you with no warning and especially in a work situation, it's just really, really uncomfortable. At least it is for me. Yeah, sure. And and it's inappropriate. I'm sorry. I just there's just a time and a place for that shit, and it's not in the middle of a meeting. It's like you know you're not expect. It's like unexpected penis. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, I like unexpected penis too, but that's another story. <laughs> All right, I'm gonna no, make I a list of of uh, why is this awesome? We're gonna have unexpected penis. <laughs> <laughs> we're gonna have have masturbation or the other way around <laughs> right but no but I, I i i really agree with you if it's someone who is creating an uncomfortable environment for you in in a workplace if someone's like coming on to you or something like that that's that's gross and and i think that honestly i i really do think if this camera was off like he thought it was no harm no foul really if he could uh, Finish. He could discuss the meeting points when the people were asking him questions, and it's fine. But you know, whatever. You know, the meeting was probably being recorded anyway, so he could. <laughs> oh, great! So it's now it's recorded. If the meeting, yeah. he could also go back and catch what he missed. Yeah. So can. But anyway, I mean, I see your point, but I think also it was it was a mistake, really, and it was a bad, pretty bad fuck up. <laughs> but. Yeah, whatever. Anyway. Okay. Okay. Well, that's all the news we're handling today. <laughs> I guess handling is now now not a good <laughs> handling. Yeah, I'll handle your news. All right. <laughs> okay. <laughs> this podcast is sponsored by wearing pants during video conferences. You tell yourself you won't stand up. You promise yourself you won't stand up. Then you forget and you stand up. Next time, try wearing pants during video conferences. On sale now wherever webcams are sold. And now, back to our podcast. Hi, I'm Jennifer, the publisher of DameMagazine.com, and you're listening to The Leftscape, the shape of progressive conversation. So I'm here now with Angie Marth, who has her, her internet handle as Resonant Eye. She is 
a professional tattoo artist and painter, and she's been doing that since 1999. She has some books out, and she's working currently on a series of abstract paintings. And uh, Angie also does taxidermy and assemblage art and illustration. She grew up in coal country, Pennsylvania, and is now living in the Pacific Inland Northwest. Hey, Angie, welcome to the show. Hi, nice to be here. <laughs> and I have to, I have to also say, tell our listeners, Angie has, uh, she's tattooed me and and basically covered my entire right arm, upper right arm with with some gorgeous flowers and my old band logo. And and You're sadly she's a hero. Yeah, she did it, and everyone's amazed. She's like the fastest tattoo artist I have ever known. She finished this whole thing in one sitting. People are always blown away with that. And, uh, but right now she's, um, going to explain to me (laughs) because I keep thinking, you know, there's left and right, there's conservative and liberal Mm -hmm. and that liberal is like this big blanket term that is everything that's not conservative. And apparently I am way off. (laughs) Okay. Well, okay. So when you think about the spectrum, you know, you think of, you know, liberal is sort of a frame of mind where you are tolerant, you're accepting, you are kind of open-minded, I guess. Okay. Conservative would be someone who wants to conserve things the way they are or go back to a previous time. They are not in favor of change, xenophobic, that sort of thing. And this can be on any different. I mean, this is not obviously high-level discourse explanation, <laughs> but you know, this is this is just my perspective on it. You can also then talk about left and right. You know, the the left wants to progress as a human species, as all everybody together, all boats being lifted by any progress. So if we discover a new battery, it should not be something that puts people into slavery in another country to dig it out of the ground. It should be something that gives them as much of a lift in living circumstances as it does for anybody else. And then, you know, the right wing, of course, wants to extract resources and use them or whatever. The right wing is, again, xenophobia or that sort of thing. Now, in America, I mean, of course, we're not talking about Ireland. Republican means something else and liberal means something else. We're talking American politics, United States politics. Liberal tends to mean people who are within the Democratic Party sort of orb, probably in favor of more than just gun control, you know, bans of materials or objects, they're not necessarily in favor of unions, unionizing or helping. Really? Yeah. Okay. Um, The Democratic Party as it stands today, speaking as someone of my age, has a lot more in common with the Republican Party just before Ronald Reagan. So like, like the seven sixties, like, not even so like i'm thinking more i was going back even further like uh nixon nixon wanted to tax the upper class the very top 10 percent of people he wanted to raise their taxes from 75 to 80 percent i don't remember that from nixon i all i remember was you know the foreign policy stuff and watergate domestically he he was like every other republican before reagan eisenhower was the name i couldn't come up eisenhower they all they all believed that keeping wages in line with productivity and taxing the rich relatively heavily compared to the poor 
to build a strong middle class. And to them, the middle class meant white, suburban, yeah. you know, it meant something different to them. But they wanted to create that. That's the Democratic Party today. So everything's kind of moved to the right. Everything has shifted so far to the right. Joe oh. Biden is right wing. No, I know that. I know. I, I, Biden is Biden is the Democrat that Republicans can vote for. Yeah, I, right. I get that. Bernie get Sanders that. is a pre-Reagan Democrat. Okay. what the Democratic Party was before Ronald Reagan came and dragged everything to the right in his, you know, mayhem of. Okay. Uh, yeah, I won't get into Reagan because I'll get I'll get. No, I, I will be uh, by the end of this and we don't need that now. <laughs> we're going to get heavy, but we're not going to get that heavy. So anyway, so you have right and left. Now, now, when you say liberal, the way that it's usually said now is by people who consider themselves allies to the left, but who are not actually left wing. OK. Or by people on the right wing as an insult. Right. Those are the two ways it's used now in the United States. If you're a socialist, you're not a liberal. How liberal so? That that confuses me because liberals aren't socialist. A liberal will, a liberal is is somebody who is actually really excited to have Kamala Harris in a position of power. Okay. And Joe Biden, the crime <laughs> bill and a DA in a position of power. These aren't just people who are you know like okay I'll settle for this because look at the alternative. These are people who are actively very excited about this. And, you know, hearing somebody say, hell yeah, we'll take your guns. That's it. That's attractive. Mm. The liberal mindset, the liberal. The, that's what the word kind of entails these days. When you get further left, when you start to get out towards where most other countries, majority of most other countries center is. <laughs> you have... <laughs> You have democratic socialism, social democracy. You've got all these sort of weak leftist principles okay. that are adjacent to, to liberal. So we're not in Scandinavia yet. We're we are in... right now. Oh, well, that, 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 now you're talking about Scandinavia. Scandinavian okay. is, is not even liberal. They would consider liberals right wing there. Okay. If you call yourself a liberal here and you go there, you're right wing. <laughs> Basically, okay. that's so there's a there's a spectrum further to the left. The same way conservative, you know, it kind of conjures up this image in your head of like the older, rich, white Republican Reaganite, right? Uh-huh. There are people further to the right of him. Yes. There are words for those people. Yes. There are belief systems that those people have. They are the right. Ah. Uh. And then the conservatives and liberals are right here towards the American, the United States center, mm -hmm. which is further to the right than most countries. So there's a larger spectrum on the left because there's more space because the center is over here on the right. They're pushing everybody to pushing the right. everything to the right means that there's a narrow space on that right wing. There's very few belief systems further to the right of current Republican beliefs. Whereas the Democrats have moved so far to the right that almost every political belief, including, <laughs> I'm going to say it, libertarians, even them, most of them are even to the left of the current Democratic Party in many ways. So okay. this huge, huge left spectrum is just left out of the conversation. No pun intended. It's just there's no nuance now. Well, we're, we're not represented in the government at all. At all. There's, I think, Sawant in, in Seattle on the city council. There's a couple of socialist or, you know, Demsoc, you know, mayors mm -hmm. here and there. We've got Bernie Sanders was a socialist up until, you know, he decided he wanted to run for president. 
So there's a very and they realized he couldn't be and and have a chance. Well, they would never let him. I, I can count them on one hand, maybe. Yeah. Yes, barely. Um, there's no representation of the left in the United States. Uh, well, yeah, that it's explains, gross. That explains a lot. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right, but before we turn the mic on, um, you were talking about the prepper community. Oh, yeah, yes. prepping. Because I've sort of been edging towards getting into that, at least in, in my garden. I plant, for example, I planted three fruit trees this year. So. Okay. Well, well, I'll say this. If you're if you're just now thinking of starting to maybe prep, it's too late. It's too late. <laughs> it's too late. Yeah, I know. We have a freaking global pandemic. There's a fucking global pandemic. There is a fascist in the White House. Everything is right wing. There are armed gangs of militias roaming the streets of major cities, shooting at protesters who are trying to get cops to stop killing people. And the cops are helping the militias. We are yeah. beyond the point where you can begin to think about maybe. No, I know. Like you already planted those fruit trees. You are. That's good. I'm glad <laughs> they're already in the ground because. For whoever, whoever survives me. Can go well, somebody trees. will. I mean. It, I don't think that you're going to die or anything, but no, I think, I you know, it's prepping is a thing where you are not thinking, oh, my God, shit's hit the fan. Bad stuff's happening. What do I do right now to build up? It's, right. you know, thinking what happens in my area? Do we have tornadoes, earthquakes, fires? We have fires here where I live. Yeah. Um, where I grew up, blizzards, power outages, windstorms, flooding once in a while. So it's even landslides there mm. so it's it's more thinking about where you are the people around you your neighbors your neighbors and people who are your friends with that you live near and how you can get skills supplies equipment and abilities to help everyone work together to get through whatever the world is going to throw at you so we had a global pandemic this year right in december because I am a prepper and I'm a, I am a left-wing prepper. I, I know that's like, no, we talking about this briefly, but it, <laughs> most people, when you say I'm a prepper, you know, I teach gun safety and, you know, firearm, you know, target shooting, whatever. When you talk about this kind of stuff, like, you know, preserving food and growing food and, you know, building up skills and all this kind of shit. When you talk about this stuff, people assume that you're right-wing or you're a libertarian or you're like, Ruby Ridge, Waco, you know, like it's some kind of weird, like Mormons, Mormons hiding out in a cave or something. I don't know. It's like some weird perception. But honestly, most of the people who are more prepared are going to be people who believe in science, who believe in doing things in a way that is tried and tested mm -hmm. and who are able to work with others. Buying a bunch of guns and, and thinking you're going to go out and shoot zombies and raid grocery stores and like, you know, for people to get their food. Like this is, that is not survival. That is not being prepared. That is being un so unprepared that you have to put your life at risk just to get a can of beans. Being prepared is totally the opposite of that. And I, I think that if you're left-wing and you're a prepper, you tend to be very quiet about it. I don't think that there's a lot of um, open, like public discussion about it the way right-wing Dudes like to, you know, spread around, you yeah, know, the, uh, armed to the teeth with like a, you know, a bug out bag full of beef jerky. <laughs> this is not going to get you anywhere. That That's not going to get you anywhere. It's, 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 
it's a power fantasy really. So, you know, prepping is, is, is a different thing than that. So, Mm -hmm. and there are a lot of left-wing and liberal preppers. I mean, there are people on every edge of the spectrum that, that prepare, but you know, with the pandemic, it's a good example. Um, in December, because I'm like this, <laughs> and because my job deals with the health department uh, as a t- tattoo artist, I have to I get updates from them. And so I was reading the articles coming out of China in December, and then in January I was reading the articles coming out of Iran and China. And by the early February, I was reading Italy, Iran, and China, and I was afraid, and I started wearing a mask to work. Mm. Because a coronavirus usually spreads is airborne. They're right. usually, they're, they usually are airborne. And so knowing the species of virus that it was or the type of virus that it was, I figured I will wear a mask to work. I'm close up to people all day. Mm-hmm. I don't know where I'm traveling. I'm just going to be safe. My partner, you know, had a transplant, bone marrow transplant. So just safety's sake, right? That was February. By the end of February, I no longer felt safe at work because of the news reports. Um, being in Washington state, we already had a few cases. Um, they were the, you know, the cases that were the very first, I think. On right. The coast, on the coast. And even though I knew, you know, obviously it was not going to be like everybody walking in was infected or, you know, some kind of over the top thing, like why take, I was not willing to take the risk. Um, so, uh, my birthday was March 3rd and I stopped working mm. my birthday. Okay. Um, so, and having the mask ahead of time, having an N99 mask ahead of time is preparation. Okay. Because I, I know that climate change is a thing that's real. Human dwellings are encroaching on the living space of wild animals that we haven't encountered before. Viral and bacterial infections are going, that zoonotic ones are going to mm-hmm. become more all the time forever this is this is not the end this coronavirus is not going to be the last plague we see this is the start actually it's like you know swine flu and sars those were the start this is just another one and it's going to be more and more harder and faster all the time yes yeah, so just this time this time we had no decent response to it nor will we ever unless we change things very much i mean there's there's a huge change that needs to be made before we can stop that from happening and i don't see it happening Mm. The very fact that the left is totally unrepresented means that nothing's going to change. <sighs> so ex- I expect another plague next year or the year after, and another one after that, and harder and faster and worse and worse and more often, forever. Climate change has, has gone beyond the point where we, we can reverse it. I mean, we may slow it down, and I, I hope to live to be 120, so I'm sure I'm going to see some horrible things. <laughs> <laughs> I'm prepared to see horrible things. Wow. So, okay. <laughs> so, you know, thinking, thinking ahead a few years ago, when my partner got sick, he had leukemia. Um, one of the first things I did was think, okay, so N99 masks, we need N99 masks. We need them. The household needs them. So we got those and I got extras and I got N95 masks and I got a shitload of hand sanitizer and I got extra, extra gloves and sort of the kind of equipment I use at work, as you saw when you got tattooed, you know, all that personal protective equipment, tons of it, scrubs, head scrubs, aprons, everything, goggles, you know, that kind of thing, and gas masks, 
Yeah, I saw your I saw you you posted a picture I think on your Instagram of when you were thinking about going back to work mm-hmm. in your PP your you basically the black goth PPE. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's a it's a antimicrobial and impervious black uh non-woven jumpsuit. It's scrubs. Okay. They can be washed and reused, but it's scrubs that are a jumpsuit that buttons up to the neck. And then it's a full face mask, gas mask with a organic matter virus and particulate filter. And I bought those because um, we live in a red city in a blue state. Mm-hmm. And the gas masks, actually, I bought because um, we're very close to Idaho, where there have been militia uprisings and that sort of further right than conservative mm. behavior. So when I think about that stuff, I think, well, they're going to use bear spray. They're going to use mace. They're going to have tear gas. If, if anything bad is happening, mm-hmm. for some reason I'm driving somewhere and something bad is happening there. And these guys are like, there's a checkpoint. Like, I want that gas mask. Right. I want the goggles and the mask. And now, of course, with the protests, I want the goggles and the mask. Because <laughs> the cops are doing what I assumed it would be, you know, the alt-right doing. Yeah, I'm not saying they're different people, but they're in uniform doing it. So, <sighs> yeah, um, you... but that's prepping, you know, like, OK, thinking of this three years ago. Before we had a viral plague. Um, yeah. Having having when, when you go to the store and you buy toilet paper, you buy an extra roll. Every week or two mm-hmm. until you've got 20 rolls in your basement or wherever it's dry and you. You just have it there. You don't, you know, you don't use it all up. You're just slowly kind of, and you think ahead, like how long would I have to be able to get through if there was a tornado here, for example, or an earthquake or the, what if the power went out? What would I need? Right. A a little solar charger that you can unfold to plug your phone into to get information. It's been a real heavy year. It's been a very, very, and and I'm going to segue into your heavy year art project oh yeah (laughs) (laughs) like i'm laughing but i yeah yeah i I do i do a lot of different kinds of art you know i do a lot of different mediums and i do a lot of different kind of things Uh, most of my work is is not very heavy like you know landscape with the leaves falling off the trees that's that's kind of dark or you know creepy or whatever but it's not i've been watching you post all of these pieces as you've been doing them all year and they are not, I wouldn't say gut punch, but it hurts. It's definitely, you feel it in your heart. Like, especially I'm looking at one of the, one of the samples you sent for the, for our website. And it's got like these black things flying up from like the bottom of the painting. And, and it's like, I keep thinking of them as, as souls of the people that have died, you know? And, it feels and, like. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they're, yeah. they're intense and they're, they're, paint they're like painfully beautiful and the uh, first few i did were in response to things i knew i I can't remember which one was first and that's what i want to remember because the first one was yeah it was milan okay and it was when is this it was it was mid-march and it was right after i'd stopped working for about two weeks i just was like i was in this weird kind of liminal state they hadn't closed the shops down. There was no lockdown. There was no mask order. There was no mandates. There was nothing happened. Was being done. Nothing, yet. Yet when I painted that one, 
-hmm. here. And um, I felt like I was living in an alternate universe. Like I'm staying home. I'm ordering all my groceries. I'm wiping them down with disinfectant. We're not talking to or getting near anyone outside this house. Like we have the house in the yard and we're just like wiping mail down. Like it was just like, and nobody else was doing it. My coworkers were at work, some of them with no masks on. My clients, all the clients that were coming in, everything was normal except for me, it felt like. <laughs> like. I'm living in an alternate universe where there's a global pandemic and everyone else is living in the other universe where nothing's happening. It was almost like I was in shock. Like I was just, I was Tharn. Tharn is the, the word from Watership Down, you know, when a, when a creature is so overwhelmed and terrified, they can't do anything. And, and that's how I felt. And then uh, two weeks in, I was I was reading, I was doing I was reading bedtime stories from I was reading The Plague by Camus on, okay. on YouTube, doing YouTube live and reading bedtime stories <laughs> about the plague. To everyone, and I read a story in the news about Marcelo Natali, who was a doctor, and he just he didn't really stop working until he died, mm. basically, and he died. And so the first painting was that, that was, I read that news story and I was reading the plague and I was like, oh my God, this is like, I can't, I'm overwhelmed. And then the, I, I woke up, you know, after the next day and I was like, I got to paint, I got to paint. Like I got to do something besides sit around a mope and like can food or whatever the fuck I was doing at the time. And so I <laughs> plant the garden. I don't know what I was doing, but I, I did that painting and it was just like this unpleasant it was an unpleasant time. I did not enjoy the painting. I did not enjoy doing the painting. I didn't like looking at it afterward. It felt bad. Mm. I don't know how else to say it. It felt bad. It was a bad feeling. And I felt like I was focusing on this one guy and I couldn't focus on that one guy. There was just too much, too many people were dead already there. Mm -hmm. Like it was just like, I, I'm going to do a painting of like how I feel about this guy dying. And it was like, there's there's thousands of people dead there. Like thousands of people died right next to this guy. How can I paint this guy? And then the second painting was Seattle. And it was an infectious disease doctor that had consulted with my partner when my partner had an infection when he was being treated with radiation for his leukemia. So we'd met this man. Mm. My partner's doctors. He died of coronavirus. Oh, man. He wasn't working with patients. Wow. He wasn't even working with patients. He caught it in the community. He didn't catch it at work. And he's an infectious wow. disease doctor that didn't catch it at work. He caught it at like the grocery store or some shit. And he died. And so that was the second painting. And that one I was able to do just the guy. Just like it was about him. It was about. And by that time there was lockdowns and there were people complaining that the economy should be open. <laughs> and it, so this painting made me angry. I was so mad. I was like, you know, how can... Like Dr. Schwartz died and I'm so angry and these people are out there like, like they're in that alternate universe from before where nothing's happening. Like what's wrong with them? Like what is going on? Still total confusion. And I think the third painting was about Iran and I did the painting without thinking about, I was just thinking, I'm just going to do a painting of Iran. I painted it and then I woke up and like looked at the news and there was a doctor in Iran who worked while she was she was infected, she was extremely sick, and she was working on COVID patients only. She was working in the infectious ward, and she was infected, and she had an IV in her arm. Wow. And she was she worked 
up until the moment she fucking died. Hmm. She dropped working. And so that one has, like you said, a lot of the like little kind of movement, brush stroke movements mm-hmm. lifting up from around her. And it, it, I think Dr. Ruan, Ruhani, I don't, I can't remember her name. I'd have to look again, but she had a lot of patience. So I wasn't, I was trying to, I was trying really hard to like just paint her and it wasn't happening. There was too much weight. It's too heavy. There's too many dead people to just like emotionally, like, what do they say like one death is a tragedy and a a thousand is a statistic yeah this felt like the opposite like one person was just like okay that was just a person there's a thousand dead people there and i think the next one was new york when they were sending the ship yeah way in new york i did those next and that turned into the same thing where it was like i couldn't even do a landscape i couldn't even do like i could not i could not make a visual thing on the surface that looked like anything I was envisioning. It was, it was coming out on its own and it was doing it. Uh, like, I, I hate to be all like foo foo woo woo <laughs> nonsense. Like, you know, I'm, I'm very much a skeptic and like, not like, I don't, I, I don't really believe in stuff, but I feel like there was just so much weight in the fucking air everywhere and so much death and so much grieving and like fear and like Nile and like all these really heavy things just bearing down on the on the world that it 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 was coming out of me it was just that was what was coming out of me and that was all that was coming out of me you know and then I did like Johannesburg and uh, I did Wuhan Madrid Tokyo Japan I think I actually did two or three about New York different parts of New York City I did Queens Bronx Staten Island was the one with the boat Atlanta DC Lansing Michigan, London, Paris, uh, Nigeria, because mm-hmm. they had a, uh, I painted it. I, and, and most of these I painted and then I would read a news story the next day and be like, oh my God, that's what I was painting. <laughs> wow. Which but is kind of. Not, and yet you don't believe in any of that woo stuff. So it's like... <laughs> I almost feel like it's, it's, I don't, but it's so big. Yeah. Like it, it, this has been such a, it's so big that like, even if I don't believe in shit, man like it doesn't matter what i believe it's like it doesn't matter if i believe in woo or not or you know afterlifes or ghosts or any kind of shit it doesn't matter what i believe there's two hundred thousand more dead people here and that means that there's at least like a million people who were very close to someone who's dead that is like grief that is like a million people fucking grieving right now right now if you are empathetic, even even in the slightest, yeah, feel it. You feel it. It's in it's in the world right now. It's what the world is doing right now. It's mourning and grieving, and and people who don't feel it, there is something wrong with them. Yeah, I would agree with that. I am that probably there was more than me that was that were suggesting that you try to get these paintings in in a art book that it, that can be seen or held by individuals so they can look at these things and mm-hmm. experiencing them. And uh, you're having a Kickstarter that's, when does that one end? It's like I've in got 25 days left, uh, November 13th it ends. November 13th. So yeah. whoever's listening, go to uh, Angie's 
Kickstarter, which we'll have a link on our page on our, you know, on the page for this episode and also on Facebook, because honestly, I believe very strongly that these pieces need to be seen by the widest audience possible. I don't so. know what else I'll do with them. I mean, I, I put the Kickstarter up and then I realized it's a terrible time. Like the election is coming. Yeah. Who the hell wants to think about anything like buying an art book? I know. And, and, and it is heavy. It's dark. It's not, it's not like they're pretty. Like, <laughs> like you're going to sit around and be like, Oh, Hey, look at these beautiful, you know, yeah, well, that's why I don't, I would get one to put on my wall, but I don't know that I want to look at it every single day. It's right. like, you know, right. it's something that I want to. Well, to I've, I've got <laughs> two are sold. Two are sold. Okay. And many others have been begged for heavily. <laughs> but <laughs> I, I don't, I don't want to sell them until they've all been seen in one place. Well, I really enjoyed talking to you today. And we're going to have all of your info links on our website. And oh, right. I'm sure this will be great advertisement. <laughs> <laughs> no, I know, I know. Buy my work. I'm a Buy her work. Heavy and she's art scene. My older art is, is pretty and nice and happy, I promise. <laughs> <laughs> you can still buy that stuff. You can still buy the old stuff too. I have a link to that red bubble where you can buy all the yeah. stuff. So <laughs> I feed squirrels, man. I'm not all, you know, doom and gloom. I'm, not, I'm not totally doom and gloom. I think we're all going to get through it. I hope so. And now a public service announcement from the Leftscape podcast. Thinking about masturbating during work meetings? Don't. It's rude and unprofessional. Unless you've gotten consent from 100% of your coworkers, you should never do it. And if you do get consent, oh, like, dude, where do you work? And are you, are you like hiring? We now return you to our regularly scheduled podcast. A fat, sarcastic Star Trek fan. You must be a devil with the ladies. Forget. Fascinating. Forget. Fascinating. Forget. Fascinating. Forget. 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 Fascinating. Are you out of your fucking mind? Heard of that? Oh, and So this is the Geekscape, and we're going to talk about something that we kind of know a lot of the minutia about. And today, it's woo. Woohoo! <laughs> well, you need so what to is woo. You might word. ask. Yes. Yeah. What? Well, what? what? Yeah. No, well, it was sort of a term that we use to describe um, anything in the new age spiritual realm that's kind of off of the grid in terms of uh, oh, like philosophy. Yeah, all of those things, you know, all some of the magic that we do, some of the, you know, remedies that people do, all of that stuff is usually considered woo. So my question is, I was thinking of in terms of the good, the bad, and the ugly. <laughs> you know, like, one of the not things all that woo is created equal. Not all woo is definitely not created equal. So for some people, it might be. Some people might say it's all a bunch of crap. I don't want any of it. 
Some people might say there are things that they find value in. And I don't know. I just wanted to hear people's thoughts. I tend to think of the woo, and I know you use the term new age, and I pronounce it when I'm talking about the woo stuff as newage. Newage? Newage. To rhyme with sewage. Okay. (laughs) That's what you think of the whole thing? I don't think of it. Not entirely the whole thing, because I've had experiences that, and I know, what is it? An anecdote does not equal data, but it's hard when the anecdote is happening to you that, mm-hmm. to not count it as data. <laughs> so right. there have been some really wooish kind of things that have happened to me over the course of my life that make me come to the conclusion that there's stuff happening in the universe that we have not been able to explain scientifically yet. And I add the yet <laughs> because, mm-hmm. you know, we as human beings have um, limits, limits to our senses and we can only observe what we can observe. And, and we've built devices to observe some things, but I think there's things, there are processes and things happening that we don't have the ability to see at a repeatable scientific level yet and we may at some point in the future or we may not and it may be that like the things i experienced could be explained by uh you know so just a bunch of weird chemical reactions in my brain that make me see connections where there maybe aren't or or you know that i'm doing a lot better for example okay there was let me give you the this is, I guess, the wooiest experience that I had. It was in yoga mm-hmm. class. Mm-hmm. And it's this woman who was a, a classmate of mine, but we weren't friends. We weren't close. We never like went out for coffee or any of that shit. We just would get in class together. And we were sitting there and the guru was talking about something. And we we had and she and I had basically a telepathic conversation between us. Wow. And but I, you know, but it could also maybe be explained by us being really, really good at at translating facial expressions or body language or something like that. Well, explain your explain your conversation. What was it about? Uh, it's hard to remember now. It's really hard to remember now. But it was it was probably in reaction to a comment or something that that he had said, and and it was like I asked a question to her and she answered me and, and, but it was all wordless. So that later and she had the same experience I'm taking. Yeah. Yeah. It felt, it felt telepathic, but you know, it, it could, it could also be because we were just really good at noticing the micro facial expressions Mm -hmm. because that Mm -hmm. also communicates volumes of information if you can pick up on it. I wonder what the guru was talking about at that time. Uh, it's years. It's it's my brain will not remember those details. So mm. sorry. <laughs> so do you find that kind of do you find telepathy or either practicing it or believing it? Or I don't know. I guess what I what I wonder is, does it feel like it has value to you to have that as a possibility in the universe? It's interesting. I don't know that I would want like the telepathy that happens in science fiction to be something that I could do because 
a lot of times it's like it's it's overwhelming for people and, mm. and that's how they you know because you're hearing every you know all the voices around you or no whatever. filters and, yeah and and maybe there's stuff that you don't want to know about other people <laughs> that you're going to find out if if you could just you know get into their head like that i would like to be able to do that with you know a part an intimate partner honestly mm. it would be it, and, and i've had experiences that are similar to that where you're kind of your your kind of your ego kind of melts into the other person but those were also accompanied with certain psychoactive substances so who the hell knows what that was so. <laughs> interesting i tend to feel like the difference between a chemical experience and i'm talking about more like actually in your body chemicals as opposed to taking a drug and some external experience doesn't seem to make a difference to me mm. for example like i i've had a very deep spiritual awakening experience that was not long after like a period of grief okay. and they say that that's not uncommon that you can have like a chemical thing happened in your brain where you're, if you're needing some kind of revelatory experience that people might experience as God or seeing a, a dead loved one or something like that, like that can happen in a short period after like a time of grief for people. Mm -hmm. And that is a brain thing, you know, but the, the experience really changed my life in a profound way wow. in terms of my spiritual growth and my creativity and the music I was making and everything else, you know? Mm -hmm. So it doesn't matter to me whether it's, you know, call it Krishna, whether Krishna was, is an external being that is like the source of love in the universe, or if it's a bunch of chemicals that arranged itself for me to have an experience that those are the words I put to it. Okay. Or if it's something else, some, you know, inner or inner truth or something that we see that's not really external, but is, the thing that people talk about in that spiritual tradition, you know, like any of those things amount to the same thing to me. I don't feel like, Oh, well, it's not real because it's my brain. I feel like that, that is one very viable way that those experiences can happen, you know? Hmm. And that seems fine to me. Like, I don't know. A lot of people feel like it explains it away or something, but I feel like if it has value, it has value. You know, mm. yeah, I'm not saying that, that that it doesn't have value, but it's it has to do with the reproducibility for the mm. skeptics. Right. Right. You know, um, and and that's kind of how I approached, you know, because the, the whole the whole gaining uh, Satori or Nirvana, that process, it's it's a you can I, I you know, there's. I always felt that like taking certain chemicals as in, you know, terms of drugs or whatever, it's sort of like, that's a shortcut to those feelings that you could actually get to by doing a lot of other non, non-chemical, non-external chemical work you I know, agree. Yeah. through, through the meditation and all of that other stuff. You're actually, you're getting your brain into that same state mm -hmm. naturally, as opposed to taking something to help you along there, cutting the corners and it. And I think that, I think also doing it too fast, it, it can, you're not necessarily prepared for the experience properly. And then right. it, yeah. it could end up not being beneficial. 
I, I agree with that, actually. I do. And just out of brief thumbnail description, Satori is like this. That's a about Buddhist term, I okay. believe. And that is about sort of like a, it's like a flash experience of everything as one or like an all kind of experience. It's like a moment, it's like, you know, uh -huh. and, and Nirvana is really like the ultimate state of consciousness or beyond, beyond getting beyond the ego completely. And you can stay there for long periods of time. I, well, re, well, once you reach enlightenment, then you don't really need to do anything else. You're you, either you're a bodhisattva who comes back, just as okay. this is in the Buddhist philosophy, you know, he comes back to help others to that state. But once you reach that state, then you don't really have to incarnate or you're just. You don't need to eat or do any of that other stuff either, or if that's it. I think that's it. Yeah. Well, I don't know. I mean, you can, okay. well, no, no, no. Well, then you, if you, it's like chop wood, carry water, right? Like once okay. you reach that state, then you can just do life. Okay. But you've, you've, you're, you're in that place, you know, and then you, when you pass, then you, you just don't really need to you're re done reincarnate anymore. Right. right. Exactly. You've learned everything you can learn in this physical form. Right. Exactly. So, yeah. So it's like that, the ultimate experience of, okay. that's what that, usually means but and here we we run into that language barrier again of us not having terms to describe these things in english that, exactly that these mental states do not exist in english which sucks <laughs> <laughs> it's a challenge yeah. how about you mary have you thought of any woo that you like or dislike or um no well yeah <laughs> okay. okay. I I you know I I am just thinking about how how I see it is that I feel that there's a lot of things that the human brain can do that has not been explored yet and that that um various people will will say oh crystals help me do this or that and i don't think it's the crystal that's doing it i think it's the brain that's doing it but if the crystal is something that helps you concentrate and meditate or whatever to get to that state then why not you know so so as and this is my my kind of feeling for religion and everything different people believe in christianity and judaism that god is ineffable and that if people in different times have to describe god the only way they know in human terms then uh then that's what they have to do but um but as as far as uh, God goes and and or or the energy in the universe goes. I don't think we really understand everything that's going on. So <laughs> I don't know if I explain myself. Well, the woo that I object to is, and when you brought up crystals, it it's like, yes, if a crystal helps you concentrate and helps you focus. You know, like a particular but the crystal's crystal. not really doing it. And in my no, mind, I know that. It, it's, it's, I object it's to the. the I object to the. I object to the thing where, 
um, I have cancer, so I'm going to hold this crystal over my left elbow and that's going to cure me. Mm. That's the woo that really pisses me off. And that, and that, and that kind of dovetails into, uh, what's her name with goop with her. Goop oh, and, oh and, and, and putting jade eggs up your yoni. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I, I gotta say whatever turns you on, you know, you, if you well, no, drive, some of that shit is, you is drive is, like that. <laughs> it's dangerous. It, 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 some of the stuff she's, she's suggesting people yeah, do is good. actually harmful to for well, especially with the things she's saying to put up your yoni <laughs> um it 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 fucks up the vaginal ecosystem mm. and then you're gonna have other issues because <laughs> like, i love the combination of the guttural <laughs> version of like put up your and then using the word yoni <laughs> that's a good combo <laughs> I think that kind of encapsulates her entire her entire marketing strategy. <laughs> oh man. So actually that dovetails very well to my good, bad, and ugly okay. thoughts. So for me, I enjoy crystals and the and the basic ritual tools that we use in Wiccan or pagan mm -hmm, working. Mm -hmm. And I, you know, I, I probably have a pretty good understanding of what people say various crystals are good for and that sort of thing. And it doesn't, that doesn't interest me very much, but the, the visual, like I have a friend who has a gorgeous altar that has all kinds of crystals and uh, like Christmas lights and, and just all kinds of glowy, beautiful things, you know, mm -hmm. and it really transforms her, that room and feels very magical and very I don't know it's a place I want to go and sit and meditate and do things okay well, then, and so then I, it's serving its purpose right it serves its purpose and I agree with you that um you can ascribe a meaning to something and it helps you bring it helps to bring that mindset into your experience then I think that's that's a positive thing same with ritual tools like using a wand to direct energy or you know lighting a candle and connecting with the fire energy for spirit or desire or whatever you know however mm -hmm. you're using those tools i think those are useful because it really sort of helps create a framework for yeah. how you can do ritual and sort of I, put yourself in a I, i'm thinking of go. it as a focusing tool you know yeah mm -hmm. i think that's i think that's right this for about focusing and also tradition you know, like moving Deisil in a circle is, is a tradition. And I don't believe that if you go the other way, your magical backfire or something, you know what I mean? Mm. <laughs> but there's something that feels comfortable about that format. So, and it's something that everyone knows and have done together for a long time. And I think that helps create a kind of a structure, you know? Mm -hmm. um, and I think that's helpful. Uh, so I, I enjoy that kind of thing. The bad, in my in my thought, is um, spiritual bypass. What do you mean by that? Spiritual bypass is, I just, I got the definition actually, is a tendency to use spiritual ideas and practices to sidestep or avoid unresolved emotion, facing unresolved emotional issues, psychological wounds, and unfinished developmental tasks. Hmm. And a Good lot example. of times, yeah, sure, like... Um, <laughs> People will say, oh, 
no, no, no negative energies allowed here. No. <laughs> mm -hmm. So if anyone says anything critical or has any critique of what they're even talking about, they'll just be like, oh, I don't, I don't, uh, mm -hmm. I don't associate with that kind of thought because that kind of thought is negative or something like that. And so you're just not encountering any kind of way to discuss rationally. Mm. You're just saying like, I'm only gonna live in this little box or I'm only going to, well, for example, I think for me, and I love Kirtan and it's, it's a big part of my life and the music that I've made and the music that I love. But there was a point where I believe it was a spiritual bypass for me because there was so much emotions and, and, and difficulties I was going through, but I wasn't thinking about or writing about those things. I was just chanting Om and just surrounding myself with a certain type of music all the time and not even like not encountering, not engaging with the world. Uh, and so I recognized that, it. So it's, as, so it's yeah. using, it's using um, the, the, the spiritual practices as an avoidance technique instead of yes. actually dealing with the shit you need to be dealing with. Exactly. Oh, and that yeah. was the time where I said, I realized, you know, this is a good practice, but I'm not using it in a good way right now. And mm. that was a thing for me to notice. And, and I also call this, this is a little bit different, but a friend of mine coined the term, the Buddhist excuse. Oh <laughs> yeah. And I think I've talked about it before, but it's the idea of, you know, being, saying like, well, your, your feelings are your responsibility and my feelings are my responsibility. And while that's true in a way, if you're, if you're being an asshole, you're, <laughs> you know, you can, it's not like you get to walk around and like do whatever to people. And it's, oh, well, oh, well, the way you feel is that's your, that's your problem, how you react to my being an asshole. Right, exactly. Like there is a, a human responsibility to hopefully being, you know, having being healthy in the world and not shitting on other people's life experiences mm. as well. You know, so it is it, as much as we can own our own stuff. There's something important about being conscious about how you show up in the world and how you affect well, other people. Yeah, because you're living in a society. It's not like, you know, you're not you're not a hermit you know, eating the dropped fruit from the trees or something, you know, you're living in, in a, in a community of other people who have also feelings and, you know, the right to exist. Exactly. And just, and just deciding to not pay attention to that is, is a kind of spiritual bypass. If you're, if you're in that spiritual world and saying, mm -hmm. Oh, I'm above, I'm above that. I'm not going to, engage in this conversation or something, you know, that I find really bad. And, and I agree with you, Mary, that, or sorry, Wendy, that <laughs> the idea that like, a, like not just only using spiritual methods to heal something that is a physical problem um, or only drinking, you know, finding out you have cancer and only drinking kale juice or something. Yeah, I there's it's really sad. There is something to be said for your meant, you know, your brain, your because this is this was something that that I I guess it's this also could be part woo. Um, your brain does control your body, and all, most of it is autonomous and your and and going on whether you're thinking about it or not. But 
I think there are actual studies and I'd have to go look it up where, and this was, I also believe was using cancer as the, as the example, there are possibly, I think they're cases, but I, I, like I said, I have to look them up where very powerful visualizations in conjunction with Western medicine, for example, helped people's outcomes you know, where they were visualizing their T cells attacking the cancer cells, mm -hmm. you know, shit like that with the, mm -hmm. you know, with the, with the chemo and, yeah. and everything else that that helps because if you're sitting here thinking, oh shit, I'm going to die in two weeks, you're probably going to die in two weeks. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you yeah. know, you have to, yeah. there has to be that will to live. Yeah. That's, and, and, that's how I feel too. Yeah. And, and, and so I think there has to be some processes in the brain where you're conscious thinking about something very specifically, if you can really understand how your body works and say, okay, I want this part of my body to do this thing that might actually, you know, some people might be able to do that. And that, and that could be because they have really, really good visualization abilities and that triggers the autonomous nervous system to do something i don't know but yeah your attitude your your attitude about stuff affects your health too I, I, but it's not the only thing you know right because i don't want to i don't want to get it i don't want to get into the thing where oh you're sick because you don't think positively enough i mean that i don't believe that yeah you know. This is something that this is my other ugly. That was the other one because it. I actually encountered this in a class I was in last night, which was, you know, it oh. it's it's a health program overall, which is good, and there's a lot of physical working and and stuff like that, and and there was someone who was talking about. Uh, ailments and things. And in this case, it, it it was someone who really says like all ailments and problems are exclusively your own thinking, essentially. Oh, no. You know, and, and, and uh, as I said, oh. I think that having, having a positive attitude and thinking, thinking in certain ways helps you to want to take care of yourself. And there are some good things about that. But I don't think that if you had if you have a car accident, it's because your sole plan was to have a car accident or because you're, <laughs> yeah. you know, or if you're, if you have a physical ailment, it's only because you're not in perfect alignment with your mind and your spirit or something like that. And, and it's really damaging, I think. So anyway, what, what I was going to say, it's kind of like the nature versus nurture discussion mm -hmm. in a way, like, yeah, some attitude helps you to do better and feel better. And, and some of it is going to be your genetics and some of it's happenstance, whatever. There's, there's all those right, combinations. Right. But it's really, I find it really upsetting, especially if you're thinking about cultural issues that we have. And, you know, if you're not successful, then you're just thinking wrong, you know? And it's oh, like, yeah. well, there are a lot of, there's racism, there's, you know, there's, there's obviously patriarchy. There's all kinds of reasons. And not to be a victim about, in any of those situations, but to not to not think about the, the the existence of those challenges that people have as in all kinds of ways, yeah. you know. So that's that's really I think that's damaging, and I'm just hoping you know I think there are ways to engage with this kind of material and find what's useful and hopefully keep 
your mind open enough to realize when something is bullshit and let that go. <laughs> You've been listening to the Leftscape Podcast. Sound engineering by Wendy Sheridan. Show notes by Robin Renee. Fake sponsor messages by Thomas Limoncelli. Web hosting by InMotion and remote recording by Squadcast. If you like what you hear, please share it with your friends. You can also follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Leftscape. Become a patron of our show for as little as $1 a month at patreon.com slash leftscape. Thanks for listening.